am Alicia Hancock and I believe every person has the power to change the world. When I started Hancock Creative, I had no clue about business, zero experience in the impact space and just a whole lot of passion. Today, I've helped thousands of nonprofits, social entrepreneurs and cause-focused organizations survive and thrive by telling their stories in today's digital world. Each week, I'll be sharing practical and implementable advice and inspiring interviews that will help you or your organization make a difference. This is the Change the World podcast. Welcome back to the Change the World podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Hancock, and today I'm excited to welcome one of Hancock Creative's own team members, the wonderful Jesse Capitola. Jess joined our small but mighty team a few years ago now as our events and partnership coordinator and has been responsible so far for coordinating 11 face-to-face conferences in five different cities. She's also run three virtual conferences during the current pandemic. A former not-for-profit manager herself, Jess is joining us today to share insights on what it takes to turn a live event into a digital event and the five biggest lessons she's learned along the way. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's a bit of a different episode for us today, having one of our fantastic Hancock Creative team members joining us. But one of the things we're getting asked a lot about right now is what it actually takes to run a successful event virtually. Because obviously getting virtual is something a lot of people have had to figure out how to do fairly quickly. And we had a bit of a baptism of fire of ourselves. (laughs) We sure did. (laughs) Uh, So give you a bit of background story. So back in March, we had our last face-to-face event, which we did over in Sydney. It's our Change the World event. And I remember kind of getting on the plane to come home and people were like sanitizing their seats and we're like, maybe this is starting to become like a bit of a thing. And from there, obviously, things unraveled pretty quickly and we had to cancel our face-to-face events scheduled in Adelaide, in New Zealand, in Canberra. And we had to figure out in a pretty short space of time how to go virtual. And obviously, as our amazing event and partnerships coordinator, a lot of that fell to you. Yes, that had to happen in a matter of weeks. (laughs) Yeah, our first virtual event, I think we had about four weeks from announcing to delivering. So what we really wanted to talk about today and why I wanted to bring Jess on to join us was to talk a little bit about the the biggest lessons that we've learned that we can share with others who are looking at making their events digital or virtual at the moment. And some of the best things we figured out that to make the most of that opportunity and to avoid some of the stumbling blocks that we might have hit along the way. Uh, So first of all, one of the things I think is really important for people to understand is what's the right platform or where do we actually host these? Because I think a lot of people just go, well, you can run an event through Zoom or Facebook Live. But when you're doing a conference, it actually takes a bit more than that. So do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the platforms that we looked at? Yeah, sure. I think you really need a platform that helps you along the way. So you need somewhere that um, hosts information about who your speakers are, how they can register, uh, what's involved. What do they need for the day? Um, So at the moment, we're using Hey Summit. Uh, It's been terrific for us. Uh, Really helpful. Sends out email reminders. Um, Really great information where people can find out what the talks are about and they can go and find out a bit more about the speakers. 
the speakers can actually access the page to include information about themselves as well. So it's really helpful for both sides. Um, another amazing platform uh, and one that we have worked with before and we've had them uh, present for us is Humanitics, um, an amazing not-for-profit uh, service themselves. Um, and yeah, they're really helpful. They've got a whole event hub that not-for-profits and charities can use. Uh, it's free for charities and not-for-profits uh, to use. Lots of terrific benefits and a lot of help along the way to build your event. Yeah, absolutely. And these are some of the things to think about when choosing a platform is the pricing model can be quite different for different platforms as well. So for a website like Hey Summit, it's a monthly fee. So for some of you, that might be a lot that you're paying an ongoing monthly fee if you're just doing a one-off small event. Um, some of them do percentage of the ticket price. So Jesse mentioned that um, with Humanitics being free, so they're free if you're running a free event as a not-for-profit. If you're doing a paid a ticketed event, it's a small percentage of your ticket price. And I think you can choose, right, whether you pay for that or whether the person buying the ticket pays as well. Yeah, that's right. It's an option. So you can either um, pass that cost on or you can absorb that cost yourself. But uh, with Humanitics, the booking fee actually goes towards uh, a social enterprise or a, a charity or not-for-profit. So providing um, Indigenous uh, literacy programs or providing um, yeah, lots of other amazing things that you can choose. So yes, there can be a booking fee, but actually uh, it can be a booking fee for good too. Yeah, which is really cool. And some of the different things to think about with a platform. So again, like with an event like ours, it's a conference. So we're often running multiple streams, lots of different things going on. So where a tool like that becomes useful is you've got one place where, you know, that's where people go to buy their ticket. That's where people go to actually watch the sessions. That's where people go back later to watch replays. It's all in one place. So there's a lot less technology involved. So if you're doing something with lots of different sessions, that's a really good option versus just doing a one hour workshop which you might be able to do natively on a platform like zoom so it gives people an idea of what the different options are out there that you can use but of course we're a big fan of anything that takes away a lot of the the legwork so we're not having to do too many things because you know like all of you um making sure you do things efficiently with time and budget is really important so you don't want to have to build everything from scratch and build your own automation sequences and your own ticketing and your own everything because that's a lot of work with a virtual event so definitely look at some of these tools um, the other thing worth looking at I think is a really good second point um, that Jess was saying to me before is looking at your timing of your day so one of our first lessons we learned when we did a virtual event was running a whole day event on one continual Zoom link causes some challenges, doesn't it, Jess? Oh, yes. <laughs> Lots of tech issues. Yeah. So what are some of the things we encountered with that? Because obviously we're trying to transition between speakers. We were trying to coordinate a lot of different things. And that was actually really challenging versus using something like a conferencing system. Yeah, I think... The main thing is that when you're running uh, um, an event live, you can do the behind the scenes things quickly and easily before speakers get to stage. Whereas if you're running one, uh, one long stream event, you don't have a chance to do sound checks and making sure presentations and things are all up and running okay prior to someone getting to the stage. So instead, if you have a link for each individual speaker, you have a moment to breathe in between, um, in between each presentation. You can check to make sure your speakers come 
comfortable, that they've got good lighting, that they're okay with the way that their screen is being shared. Um, You can do all of those things to make the event run smoothly and help your speaker to feel uh, feel comfortable instead of it being really rushed and uh, in a real hurry uh, all the time. And it's good to be able to have breaks between sessions as well. Like if you're doing quite a few things, one of the things we've definitely learned is with something like Zoom, it's harder to focus your attention. When you're in a room full of people, like the energy comes through to everyone, it's much more bubbly, it's much more interactive. But on Zoom, let's face it, it's still just you sitting in your little home (laughs) office or uh, in the workplace and you don't have that same level of interaction. So it is good to make sure you get breaks in so people can get up and stretch and move around and, and re-energize themselves as well but you just don't want the breaks to be so long that people get distracted and they're like oh I'm just going to have a meeting or (laughs) go and get some lunch or or you know I'm going to make some phone calls or start playing a game on my phone yeah that's right you need it you need a few minutes so uh, like you said you can stand up have a stretch run to the loo grab a drink but not so long that you do uh, that you do get distracted and get absorbed into something else um, it's important to realise that it takes a whole uh, a whole different focus and a whole lot of energy sitting in front of a screen all day. That's really different uh, to being interacting one-on-one or with a big group of people. So small breaks in between uh, each each session is, is really helpful um, for people running the event, but also for your attendees. They need a break as well. Yeah. And I think another one of the big lessons we learned with the timing is the power of having a moderator. So having someone that was kind of running the stream, whether it's like the whole day or it's just in between, to have that kind of gap in between to introduce, to remind people. Tell us a bit about kind of what the things you get the moderators to do. So uh, the first thing that the moderators do is to check in with the uh, presenters prior to broadcasting the event. You need to make sure that they're comfortable, they're feeling okay, everything's set and ready to go so that when you start, you uh, hopefully don't have those little tech glitches that happen. Um, the important thing as well for the speakers, lots of them, uh, lots of the speakers that we've had are not uh, pros. This is not what they do for a living. Uh, they they kind of have a day job and they're doing this to, to share their wisdom. But a lot of them won't feel comfortable with the technology themselves. So having a moderator there means that there's always someone there to, to support them. It means that uh, if there are any tech issues, that the speaker doesn't have to deal with that themselves. Uh, there's someone there as backup for them. Uh, it means that, you know, when they're right in the flow of this important information that they're sharing, they don't need to be the ones to stop and look down and check the chat box if that's not mm. what they feel comfortable doing. Uh, there's a moderator there to be checking that, to be writing down information, to, to bring it to them when it's an appropriate time. Um, and so it's always, yeah, it's being a support person. It's being there as backup. Um, when you when you can't interact with the room as much and when you're just looking at a screen, sometimes it's hard to know what's going on. So it's good to know that you've got somebody there in your corner as well. Yeah, and somebody who doesn't mind being uh, the fall guy or being a bit silly when yeah. things do go wrong. I remember we had one at one of the conferences where our um, RMC microphone didn't work and suddenly there was no sound and he was happily talking away and no one could hear him. So we chucked me in front of the camera, chucked the microphone on and I just jumped in and, and winged it. And, yeah, there's been a few moments we've just done a bit of a silly dance or, um, you know, kept everyone entertained for a few minutes. But I think that's the fun of a digital day. People do expect things to go wrong and people are really patient with that. I think particularly in the current environment, obviously recording this episode during the pandemic with everything still going on, I think people are really forgiving of um, things that are going virtual. 
Um, now, one of the other tips I think that would be really good to share from you, Jess, is how you build a really good relationship with speakers. Because you mentioned before, like a lot of people that speak at Change the World and our conferences aren't necessarily all professional speakers who get paid to do this. And a lot of them, maybe this is the first time they've done a Zoom or virtual conference. So what are some of the things that you do to prepare them or to build relationship with them so they feel really comfortable on the day? Yeah, that is a really important thing. I think if people are relaxed and comfortable, you're actually going to get the best out of them. So um, at the very, very beginning, we provide people with a briefing document that covers everything. It covers what the um, what the point of the event is, what what their role is, when are you starting, what's your check-in time, here's a little bit of a how-to document, what's your screen going to look like, um, what do you need to consider for lighting. If you're presenting at home, it's likely not a studio office, <laughs> you know, you might be in your lounge room or trying to work out how to work around your children's bookshelves or your pets or, you know, what are some things you can do to make that easier. Um, And then we have check-in times. Uh, So it's not just, you know, we've given you a briefing at the beginning and and we're done, see you on the day. We make sure that we check in with people. We, you know, um, how are you going? How are you feeling about your presentation? We're making a time with you before the event to go through the presentation and to do a run-through of the tech stuff. Let's see what your lighting's like. Let's make sure you're comfortable with what it looks like to start broadcasting and uh, to share your screen. Do you know how to check the chat function? Uh, Do you know how to use polls or questions if you need to? Um, And the other important thing is that uh, we discussed it before about not having one long live stream is that when you use an individual link, there's a moment to make sure that they're calm and comfortable before you go live. Check in, make sure you're good. Have you got everything you need? How's your lighting? Your video is good? Your sound's good? Okay, you're comfortable. Um, so making sure that you've got a, you've built a good relationship. You know that different presenters need different things. We've had some presenters who say, oh no, just introduce me and then you're done. I'm happy to check the chat, um, chat box. I can do all of that. But others who say, nope, I don't want anything to do with that. So knowing what each person needs and being able to, to support them and make them comfortable. There is nothing worse, I have to say, as someone who's spoken at lots of different virtual and face-to-face events, there's nothing worse than that stressful moment right before when like they're rushing you in because something's gone wrong and you're late or something's happened right before and you you hit that stage and you're like trying to hold the room and you're trying to engage or be funny or whatever and you're sweaty and you're feeling anxious and that unfortunately just comes through and it takes you a while to find your groove so it's so nice to be able to go right I'm live on a stage or on a virtual room feeling calm feeling collected and together and having a moment to be really organized because it just gives you so much more confidence so really good point Um, and I think the other thing as well is how do we keep the audience engaged is another key lesson because as a speaker and someone who's done a lot of events it is a certain skill set to keep a huge room of people engaged and energized we do a lot of things at our face-to-face events from throwable microphones to prizes to lots of things that keep people moving and keep people energized but one of the things we learned going to a virtual environment it's different again like what do we have to do there to keep people 
connected and to make sure they're not getting distracted and they're not multitasking and doing other things while your event is happening as well. What what do you think are some of the key things? I mean, you've seen obviously so many virtual presentations now. Yeah. What are some of the ones that have been the most engaging and what's made them stand out for you? I think the first thing is really high energy. It's it's really different to a live event. You always want to, you know, bring great energy and, and presence when you're presenting on a stage. But when you're a presenter who's looking at a screen and you can't see the audience in front of you, sometimes it's hard to hold that energy. So um, the people who present really well are the people who are really animated, who use their hands, who move around, um, you know, uh, that really um, strong energy that they bring is great and that connects with the audience. Um, Times using uh, things like, you know, the live chat function, when you're holding a live event, You can't quickly throw a microphone to the crowd, but you can ask questions and you can take feedback and you can have a look. Um, We had a great one of our um, presenters at the last event was throwing out dad jokes and having a good giggle with people about their comments. Um, So still trying to find little ways to interact. You can use um, hands up functions or or quick polls that you can put up, but little ways to still bring uh, interaction is terrific. Um, and particularly for us, social media. Social media is a terrific way to be able to engage and engage in real time, encourage people to be involved. Um, you know, you want to see where they are. We've had people sharing with us things like, you know, their amazing Ugg boots. Hey, we even had a koala. We did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was watching the event. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, No, absolutely, Jess. All those things are really, really important with engagement. And like, as a speaker, I like to even sometimes, just as I'm speaking, go, you know, okay, I'm excited about the next bit. Who's excited? Give me a hell yes or whatever (laughs) in chat. And people will. If you if you're bringing that energy, people will go, yeah, I'm excited. I'm super pumped. And people will do lots of exclamation marks. And then you can go, yeah. Amy, thanks, John. Like the other thing as well, I attended an event the other day that was very much positioned as if it was going to be a live event, but it was actually really clear that most of the sessions were pre-recorded mm. and people in the chat were asking questions and obviously none of that's okay. getting responded to. And it just doesn't feel the same as the speaker going, oh, that's a really great point that mm. Simon's asked. Let me answer that. And likewise, that interacting with people on social media, and there's different ways you can do that. My top tip there is always having an event hashtag. Mm. So people can go and look at what other people are sharing with your event online and they can interact with each other and comment and go yeah I love that tip as well or how cool I like your setup Um, and also even private Facebook groups for an event as well particularly if it's a big conference a private Facebook group's a great way to nurture people in advance get them excited get them pumped up about an event so I I think that live that live thing is really important but it's not just important for your attendees the feedback that we've actually had from speakers is that presenting live is actually more rewarding for them too because they actually do get some feedback. Sure, it's not the same as being on stage, but having those all those little interactions that we've talked about, the feedback consistently comes back from our presenters is that they actually love being able to interact with people. They're sharing what they're sharing because they love it and it's important to them. So being able to see how that registers with people is is wonderful for them too. And you actually want it to be a good experience for your presenters as well as for your attendees. Exactly. And it's so nice to get the end of the session and have people go, that was amazing. I learned so much. And that was really fantastic. And thank you for how you shared that or thank you for your time. And it makes you leave on such a high as well, which is really great. 
Um, and I think our fifth lesson really is that there are actually a lot of advantages of being online. I think some of us go like moving from an in-person event, whether for, you know, as a not-for-profit or a social enterprise, you might do in-person fundraiser events mm-hmm. or things like that. It might seem like going online is a disadvantage because you don't get to be in person or you've yeah. got to do things differently. But there are many ways that it is an advantage. Yeah. First of all, just getting to a broader audience has probably been my big takeaway. I mean, when we did our big, crazy four-week <laughs> online event, we had this crazy idea that we were going to get a 1,000 people registered, mm-hmm. right? And and we hit that in like two days. <laughs> and by the time we ran the event, we had two and a half thousand people registered. And the thing that shocked me was we had people from all over the world. There's people from the Netherlands and Korea. And we're like, how do these people know about us? From, I think we had 15 different countries. So whereas before we'd been in one city at one time, suddenly we had this worldwide audience and people who valued it enough that they were listening from the other side of the world in the middle of the night. I know, which was so amazing. And I know I've had a lot of feedback as well that it has made our training and considering our events are free and it's about how do we help more people, how do we educate more people? um, I think the big key takeaway from that is that we were able to um, access a bigger market or a bigger number of people who needed our help. Not everyone could jump on a plane to fly into Sydney or to Victoria, even if we were in their state. Mm. So we got people in rural and remote areas. We got people with different situations that could attend for the first time. Yep. I think particularly in the not-for-profit sector, we have lots of people who are part-time, who are, you know, juggling children, who are juggling um, volunteer roles, lots of people with different um, accessibility issues, and, and a virtual event allows them all to participate. Um, if you need to quickly mute your microphone because you're dealing with a small child, you can do that. If you need to juggle it around, uh, you know, all the different things that you're doing. If you're out in the middle of a, you know, we've had people from the middle of um, cattle stations and out in, you know, really remote areas, they can still come and they can still be a part of that uh, community. And, And that's really important, I think. I saw a post on social media of someone watching the conference from a laptop while on the back of an emergency rescue helicopter. <laughs> that was a moment for me that I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. They're actually out there doing what they do in the sector and they were still able to connect with us. Still and able to connect. That was really cool. I think that was definitely a highlight moment. Mm-hmm. And, of course, one of the other big advantages for particularly important in our not-for-profit, our social impact space, is that these events can be really cost-efficient yes. compared to something face-to-face face i mean i know we had someone from our last conference take a fundraising breakfast Mm -hmm. and do a virtual breakfast and the amazing thing was they actually raised more money with a virtual breakfast which Mm -hmm. was great but even better they didn't provide breakfast (laughs) people were bringing their own breakfast because they were joining from home so it substantially reduced their costs as well they didn't need a venue they didn't need to provide catering um so i think that's a really important thing a lot of us overlook sometimes virtual is a great way to test something and it's a great way to do it without having to have a big budget it's really helpful I think it's helpful for teams you know um lots of us are dealing with small teams with with part-time workers how do we get people on planes to you know uh, in Australia we're a big country how do we get you know a little team over to the other side of of the country and how do we on small budgets afford big venues to fit people in and how do we juggle all of that well all of that can be dealt with. It needs a bit of creativity. It needs a bit of um, a bit of um, forethought and a bit of planning and strategy. But 
there can definitely be some real pluses to it that can benefit everybody. And it allows you to target um, speakers and presenters that you want to come along who are really busy themselves, who are time poor. And if you're asking them to take a couple of days out of their schedule to fly, that might not be a possibility. But if you want a couple of hours out of their day to present, that might make it much more viable for them to come and be involved with you. Oh, I love that. That's such good advice there from Jess. So thank you so much, Jess, for sharing some of your insider experiences about the event. And obviously, this is a great topic for us this week as well, because this week we've actually just announced our next big conference, our next big virtual event, which is our Change the World Australian New Zealand Conference, which will be happening on November 9. So Jess has been uh, busy working away, pulling together all of that event, and we've officially announced the date. So whether you've come to Change the World before or whether it's new, it's a free digital marketing summit where we teach all of the kind of things you get on this podcast and, of course, through our Hancock Creative brand as well. So Jess, tell us a little bit about um, what you're most excited about this event. We've got all new speakers only presentations tell us what you're excited about I actually don't know how to pick one thing that I'm (laughs) excited about I just uh, everybody who's coming is amazing we have so many people coming who are walking their talk Um, people who are coming who aren't pros but who are in this sector who have done amazing things who have rolled up their sleeves got their strategies in place who have done the hard yards and who have seen amazing results and They just want you to know that you can do it too. They're coming to share their top tips. They're coming to share their lessons. They are coming to share their strategies and plans to share their passion and show you that even though this is a difficult time, even though things are, you know, I hate to use the word, but unprecedented, um, it can still be done. You can still work out ways to grow your cause. You can still have a big impact Um, you're going to hear from people who actually had no idea about social media and who knew that, you know, they were doing great things and their volunteers came to them and said, you need social media, let me build it for you. Um, You're going to hear from people who thought that was it, they were going to fold, you know, that their charity would be no more. And instead, they've put in a plan to, to do things online and and they've had a 300% increase in their fundraising. That means that their amazing charity can continue to impact people. Um, yeah, there's so many things to be excited about this event for, and they're all brand new speakers. So I'm really excited to um, to keep going with the planning for this event. Uh, look, I think it uh, shines through with what Jess is saying about how passionate we are about these events and how excited we are to be in a position that we can offer something like Change the World for free to charities, not-for-profit, social enterprises and organisations all around Australia and New Zealand. So make sure you put it in your diary, November 9. I'll include the link to register in the show notes and I'm looking forward to seeing all of you there. Thank you again, Jess, so much for your time in sharing your top lessons for going virtual with an event. Thanks for having me. Registrations are open now for the Change the World Digital Marketing Summit on November 9. Change the World is the free digital marketing summit for people who want to make a difference. It is the only free event of its kind that delivers expert and practical advice from industry leaders on social media and digital marketing designed entirely to help charities, not-for-profits, social enterprises and impact organisations succeed online. Get your ticket now at change-the-world.com.
www.heysummit.com. See you on November 9.